Welcome to another episode of Teaching Canada's History. I'm your host, Brooke Campbell, and in this special educator series, we're speaking with the finalists for the 2019 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history and is an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to interpret and share the stories of the past. I'm very lucky today to be joined by three finalists for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Joining us are Dwayne Jeffrey, a grades 11 and 12 teacher in Lloydminster, Alberta, Kaylin Weber, a grade 8 teacher in Thompson, Manitoba, and Kayla Dallin, an elementary school teacher in Exshaw, Alberta. So thank you all for joining me today and welcome to the Teaching Canada's History podcast. So why don't we just dive right on in? Um, how about you all introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about your current teaching context. I'm Dwayne Jeffrey. I uh, teach in Lloydminster, as I already mentioned. Uh, it's a diverse situation as I teach Saskatchewan curriculum, but on the Alberta side of the border. So it's a little interesting at times, especially politically. This election upcoming, I'll be doing two elections, one for each side of the border. Uh, I teach mostly grade 12 history, a little grade 11 history, as well as leadership. Hi, my name is Kaylin Weber. Uh, for the last three years, I've uh, taught grade 8 social studies and English at Wapanaw Community School in Thompson, Manitoba. We're a K-8 pre-bilingual school uh, with a very large Indigenous population. And as such, we try our best to incorporate pre-language, culture, traditions, and land-based education. And I'm Kayla Dallin, and I teach in Exshaw, Alberta. Um, our school is unique because it's a public school, but all of our students take the bus every day from a settlement called Morley, which is on Treaty 7 territory, um, and it's the Stony Nakoda First Nation. So every day these students are bused in. Our school is 98% Indigenous students, um, Stony Nakoda, and... I had about 20 students in my class this year. I was teaching grade four. That's great. So do you guys want to share with us the projects that you submitted as part of your application for the award? Yeah, so mine's about called the museum exhibit. And the, the idea is that their final project is that they will create their own museum exhibit. We give all four, I have four history 30 classes a semester usually. We use the whole library and they have to uh, choose uh, a theme or a, or a person and bring at least five artifacts to tell a story. And while doing that, uh, they're limited by words, like a museum, they have 80 words per, per artifact. And uh, it's, it's I set it up by going all year. We go to the museum first and we talk to a curator. Uh, they have an assignment where they bring an artifact in from home, practicing the 80 word maximum, and they, uh, they share that with the classroom. Then I bring the museum exhibitor in to uh, talk to the students and help them get ideas on how to create their own and then again, the last week before the finals, we uh, they bring them all in and we have a whole day museum exhibit at our school for the, for the school as well as the community. So my project was a uh, multi-lesson unit on treaty education. I found the last couple of years, we spent a lot of time focusing on uh, residential school history and the legacy. Uh, this time we shifted focus a little bit. So we looked specifically at the spirit and intent of treaties as well as the broken promises uh, with a focused concentration on Treaty 5 territory and that's where um, where we live and my students and I, I live. So 
There's a variety of lessons uh, with a particular focus on visual and auditory learning. The final project was uh, to take the historical lessons from Treaty 5 and apply it to the current context, what's going on today in, in their world, in Manitoba, and Canada in general. The final project was to create an infographic based on an issue Indigenous peoples in Canada are facing today. For example, some did housing, fishing, hunting rights, education, health care, anything related to what would be found in um, the Treaty 5 documents. Those both sound like such amazing projects. Um, for my project this year, um, I was inspired by the work of a local artist. Her name is Christine Wignall. And she had an exhibit at the White Museum called 100 Heads. And in this exhibit, she had sculpted 100 busts and heads of people she remembered from her childhood growing up in the Bow Valley. And she remembered being a little girl and going to Banff Indian Days and seeing the Stony Nakoda people there. And she remembered Chief Walking Buffalo. And so she had him represented. And then she had two other Indigenous people that were anonymous because she remembered meeting other people but didn't know them personally. So that was our inspiration for the project. And we had our students um, research their own history and their own families and find a hero that would have been a candidate to be represented in that exhibit. So they worked with Christine, the local artist, and they sculpted that hero from their family. And then we had a pop-up exhibit at Arts Place. It's a local arts center. Um, and we shared those stories with the community. So those Stony Nakota voices were being heard and those stories were being shared with the public. And yeah, it was a great experience. So jumping off of what you just said, Kayla, something that I think that's really interesting about all of your projects is that none of you teach within a vacuum of the classroom. You're all incorporating a public history kind of component into your projects. And I'm just wondering what all of your thoughts are on trying to find that balance and giving your students the opportunities to share their knowledge with other students or other members of your communities or the general public as a whole. That's an interesting question. I, I always, my biggest pet peeve as a teacher, when kids say, why do we have to learn this? And so I've always focused on not getting that question asked to me. And, and that's the balance of, of doing the curriculum, but also finding a way to diversify it in many ways. So, and when I went, what happened was I went to the Historical Thinking Summer Institute in 2017, which is six days in Ottawa at the two museums. And uh, you're working with teachers. You're also working, working with museum uh, people as well and, and historians. And this idea just came from there. And just a way to, to take the curriculum and kind of throughout the whole year, kind of embed it within it. I mean, my second review for my second test, I give them artifacts and they have to decide which artifacts are most important. So they think about the whole unit to, to tie it together. So it, it's trying to, to make history as what I recall sometimes and, and when I was younger as a little dry, bring it to life and making it relevant to the students. For me, um, I teach in Canadian Rocky School Division and it's my second year with this school division and they follow a document or use a document as a guide. It's called the Teaching Effectiveness Framework. And it's a framework for good teaching practice. And one of the com components, one of the principles, is really taking the time to design design, sorry, authentic learning tasks um, and really 
creating meaningful learning experiences for students that extend beyond the classroom. And um, so since I came to the division, that's something that's really been ingrained in me through um, just division PD and conversations with other teachers. And it's really an inspiring school division to be a part of because everyone has this shared vision. Um, so when it came time to design this task for my students, authenticity was really important. And um, it just seemed natural to reach out to the community and look for people who were interested in collaborating with us to create something more meaningful for students. Um, because like Duane said, history and any subject really can be dry if you're just learning it from kind of standard textbooks and it, it's not connected to you, it's not meaningful to you. Um, but as soon as you get real people involved and bring it to life in the community so students can interact with it, it just has so much more power. Uh, so I have to agree with both what of what Duane and Kayla said. Uh, this year I was on a pilot program with the new English language arts curriculum here in Manitoba. And it sounds very similar to what uh, your division is doing, Kayla. It's really based around richer learning experiences. So I know as a student, uh, especially in history, it was often, okay, here's your textbook. Let's go through this unit, answer some questions, and move on. With the new curriculum here in Manitoba, it's really about letting students take the direction, let them take the lead. Of course, as a teacher, you're going to have a lesson plan. You're going to have some goal in mind. But with my project, the students really decided uh, which direction to take with whatever they were doing. So like Dwayne and Kayla, both our experiences uh, were very similar in that my students, they were they became the educators for the community. For example, our final infographic project was pretty much scooped up by one of our superintendents and displayed across the division. The students themselves became the educators on, the, on treaty and, and the related topics, and it really branched off into other projects as well. Uh, my students came up with the idea to have a free community screening of Indian Horse, the movie. They organized it. They helped apply for funding, put out posters, advertise. It was such a, a multi-dimensional experience for them. So it wasn't just, you know, question answer in the classroom. They really got their hands dirty with the project. Uh, and so really it's about making learning relevant and, and getting out of the mind frame that learning has to be confined to the classroom. Yeah, that's, you can definitely see that across the board in all of these projects. And something else that really speaks to me is that you're all really trying to incorporate other perspectives into the teaching of history. And I'm wondering how you all approach that in your different classrooms. Well, in my classroom, um, I'm, the minority. I'm a non-Indigenous person and I'm stepping into an Indigenous teaching context. So I really try to use my students as the experts and recognize they have so much knowledge that they can offer me. Um, and then I try to reach out to other experts in the community. And for this project, um, right away, we knew we needed to speak to the elders that are involved in our school and figure we first approached them and kind of asked who should students be learning about from the community? What are the stories you want to be shared? Um, and they had such a powerful response and they suggested that students aren't 
necessarily entitled to everyone's stories and I'm not necessarily entitled to every person's stories. Those stories are the intellectual property of the families. So students should be researching and learning about their own family lines because those are the stories that belong to them. And then they they should be allowed to choose a hero from their own families. And it was not an idea I would have thought of on my own, but it added such an element of depth and so much power to the project because students were able to really find a sense of identity. And it's, I just find turning to the community and finding those experts and the students themselves have so much to offer. Um, so when you, when I want to, to provide a different perspective, just going right to the source seems to work best. So very much like Kayla, um, I'm in the exact same situation where I'm a minority in the classroom as well. And so it's really about using the resources that are around you. A colleague of mine once shared um, the idea of nothing about us without us. And so this is an approach that I really want to take, um, especially when teaching Indigenous issues in my classroom. We don't do history justice when we teach just from the dominant perspective. For so many years, I think that um, too many voices have been either absent or silent from the, the conversation and from history in general. And this is an essential piece of teaching critical thinking, asking which voices are going to be ignored, which are being silenced. So if I value that in my own students' learning, I need to model that in my own practice. I'm not an expert, but I am fortunate enough to have so many people around me who can and do share what they know. For instance, in my community, we had an elder come in through the Treaty Commission of Manitoba, and they're really like an amazing resource that really almost was the foundation for this unit. And I know other provinces have treaty commissions as well that are happy to help educators. So also my fellow teachers were a great resource. I'm fortunate to work at a school that has a mixture of speakers. So I guess don't be afraid to ask for help from colleagues and uh, other community members. I like, I like the last two ladies. Um, we, we have we have an in-school in uh, First Nations uh, a teacher who, who comes in and doesn't speak, and you bring people in that way to deal with First Nations uh, aspects. And what I like with the museum exhibit assignment is where our, our school is quite diverse now. We've had a massive amount of immigrants coming into Canada and, and of course, into Lloyd the last little while. So this one, you get, you get people who are doing historical figures, but you also get a lot of people doing culture. Um, so you can really bring their culture to life in, in a way that doesn't really fit our current curriculum. The history curriculum in Saskatchewan is from the early 90s and supposedly be done in the next two or three years, a new one. So it's, it is very uh, dry at the time. So um, this is a chance for, for to uh, to uh, bring diversity for all students in, in, our, in our community and in our classroom. It sounds like all of your projects were really impactful for the students. And it makes me think that history as a whole can be really um, important and, and can really contribute to the development of your students. And so I wonder why you guys think it's important for young people to study history and maybe what it does for the students as individuals, but also what it does for our communities at large. That, that's a great question. I, uh, the first objective of our curriculum is to have engaged citizens. And I think history is a course that really can do that. I always tell my students if they only learn one thing this year, it's actually make sure you vote and um, understand why that's an important 
uh, responsibility as a Canadian citizen. And uh, so that doesn't do with my museum exhibit project. That's just the underlying theme. And uh, students learn pretty quickly that that history repeats itself. And I, I listened to the other two projects by by Kayla, Kaylin, and Kaylin and uh, Kayla, and it makes me this makes me smile at the idea that uh, we're getting kids to to see history in a different light. Um, because once again, the community students they are so busy with with uh, work and family and technology sometimes to the negative impact that when they get in the community and just focus on on history, which sometimes is not old it's a few days old um and go to the local museum uh, have them see that i mean go to the archives i do a really neat assignment early on i got this from from uh, lindsey gibson is simply i got a bunch of pictures from downtown lloyd from early 1900s to present day and they had to put them in order which seemed pretty easy at first but uh, it's all that concept of continuity and change and how lloyd downtown has changed greatly in a hundred years just like history has and yet the uh, the main basis has still the same the heart of downtown, which is is a is a tower, is still there. So it, it's a neat way for kids to see that history does have major moments, but the day-to-day -day life is is what matters. And uh, I think they get to see that throughout the year. So similar to what Dwayne just said, I completely agree that our job as educators is to create engaged citizens. So also for my students, particularly in this unit, I want to encourage the development of positive identity. We hear so many negative news stories about Indigenous issues in Canada. Um, so do try to focus on, on the why. How did we get here? What are the root causes? Um, but even more importantly, what can we do to change that and to address that? So whether it's through education, activism, getting out there and voting, to really give students a sense that this is where I come from. We actually had an elder... Uh, from a local First Nation come in and a couple of students found out that their ancestors were signatories to the Treaty 5 adhesion that is specific to our community. So that was such a powerful moment to give them the sense of positive identity, to get them maybe fired up a little bit, to ask, what can I do to help? What can I do to change or address this current situation? So if we really want to move forward together as a country, I think we need to get our kids on board and to light a spark of activism and to, you know, um, even though, let them know, even though they're still young, they can definitely make a difference. Yes, yeah, similar to what both Dwayne and Kaylin have said, um, I think there's a lot to be learned from history. And um, my students are quite young in grade four, and um, they're starting, they're kind of at the beginning of their journey as far as learning about um, Canada's history with First Nations people and that relationship and the history of residential schools. And they're starting to hear more of these um, kind of darker stories about their own history and starting to explore what that means. And um, they're just being introduced into truth and reconciliation. And we did a lot of that um, through picture books um, around orange shirt day and talked about that as a class through stories. Um, but after that, I really felt like that's such a negative side of our history and that's such a dark place in our relationship. And now we're moving forward. And I really wanted to celebrate um, history and the stories that are there in First Nations culture. So we began our project by um, reading Wab Canoe's book, um, 
go show the world and we just learned about the the people he featured in his stories and why they're, they've had an impact on North America and why they're heroes and why um, they should be celebrated. And from there, we moved into the students' families and their own histories and the powerful heroes that are there who have really made an impact on the community and who should be celebrated. And just trying to show the great things that are there that students may not have heard about and just to show them how important their own history is. And like Kaylin said, to just give them that empowerment and sense of identity. If you look into history and you find those stories, I found you can really see students light up with pride once they realize, like you said, one of my students discovered she's one of her great grandfathers is a treaty signatory. And when they have those moments, they, they sit up straight and they're, they're proud and, there's a shift that you can visibly see in students when they are empowered by their own history. Definitely. I think by studying local and family history, you can really get that connection in students and it can be life altering, altering for them. I also noticed that you all have mentioned some of the different tools that you like to use in your classroom, whether that's bringing elders in or specific books or archival photos and I'm wondering what other resources you would recommend to teachers to help make history relevant and alive for your students. Um, to me, uh, PD is your best bet early on in your career. I wish I would have started some of these things earlier. Uh, going to the Parliamentary Institute in Ottawa that's held every year in, uh, in November is a great opportunity in regards to understanding how government really works. Uh, of course, I went to this Historical Thinking Summer Institute two years ago where this idea came from. And that's the six, best six days of PD I've ever had. And uh, anytime you can just talk with other history teachers is a great opportunity. So, I mean, if you're in a big school, talk to the veteran teachers uh, and and uh, don't be afraid to take risks. I mean, worst case that happens is a lesson fails and uh, you'll learn from that. But I think early PD is, is your, your advantage to really explore the diversity of history. I agree with you. Dwayne, and I think so often, especially when you're new in your career, you go to PD sessions and you're, you leave feeling really inspired. But then I think at first you can be hesitant to try all those things because you're afraid it's going to fail or it seems too big and you might feel, oh, I'm not ready to take this on. I'm not settled enough. And I think the truth of the matter is there's never going to be the perfect moment the perfect day to try something new um, classrooms are always changing and as all teachers know like you go in with a plan and then your day might go in a completely different direction based on how the students in your class walk in that day and I think you just have to just dive in just try those new things you're being exposed to whether it's a new resource a new technology just anything that can make learning more engaging for students I think just just try it don't be afraid and the other thing that I really enjoyed doing this year is as we took a lot of field trips as a class um, in grade four social studies where it's partially the geography of Alberta, but then it's also the, the people and the history. Um, so we combined both of those in our field trips. And we, for example, we went on three field trips. We went, um, we explored Alberta, underground 
on the ground and above the ground. So our underground, we went to Cave and Basin Historical Site. And we um, learned about the First Nations history there, the European history there, and then how the, the land in that same site is still being used in present day. And then for our on the ground, we went to a hiking trail and we did the same thing, talked about past uses of that land, current uses and future uses of the land. And for our final one, we went to Sulphur Mountain and rode the gondola above the ground and went through that same, how is the land being used um, right now? Who was here before us? Um, so I think it's really powerful whenever you can to get out of the classroom and go to those sites and do some land-based learning. I have to agree again with what uh, Dwayne and Kayla both said. Dwayne hit the nail right on the head. Use the people around you. Use the people who have experience. Uh, we talk about historical perspectives, and sometimes you yourself may be so narrowly focused that you might miss an avenue that you could have taken or a resource that you could have used. So definitely build those connections with your fellow educators, staff members, other community members. Uh, secondly, to build on what Kayla said about uh, land-based learning, at our school we're really fortunate to have a huge lot. They just finished putting up a powwow arbor, which is for us to use, for the whole community to use. We even have a little learning hut. So when I live in northern Manitoba, it's minus 40 degrees, pretty normal. So uh, we can still use use outside, get outside in the winter, mix things up a bit um, so you can learn from the land. And the third thing, I guess, would be um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. As both of the previous uh, speakers said, just get out there and try. You don't have to follow everything perfectly. Be flexible with your lesson plans. See the direction that the kids are taking. You may end up somewhere completely different, but most times it's better than where you wanted to go in the first place. Thank you all. That's great advice and, and great tips and tricks. I'm sure that any teachers or educators who are listening to this will have some major takeaways from this whole discussion and will be inspired to maybe try some new things in their classroom. So I thank you all for for joining us today um, and congratulations again on being named finalists for this year's Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teaching Canada's History podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the Governor General's History Awards or you want to nominate an amazing history teacher in your community, please visit us online at canadashistory.ca slash awards.